The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. This is Wildcat Insider with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, and KMAN Sports Director, Mitch Fortner. Well, I, uh, I think it's fair to say that the excitement level that we saw between K-State and Iowa State as a fan was about as exciting as watching a combine cut wheat. But it was a Farmageddon victory for the Cats, and even though it was an ugly win, offensively mostly, uh, you take it. And you take it big time. Because you beat a rival, a place yet and won since 2016, and it makes K-State 3-0 in conference play with the... Wildcats beating Iowa State in Ames, 60,000 people there by the final score of 10-9. to Welcome to Wildcat Insider, Mitch Fortner with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson. Travion Berkland is with us across the glass today. Here in the first hour, we are going to speak with K-State soccer coach Mike Dabini. His K-State soccer team pulling off a big road win yesterday with a penalty kick with 18 seconds to go against Baylor to move into seventh place in the Big 12 standings. In hour two, we'll talk about what the bye week means right now for K-State football. Most impressive players through six games, Wyatt and I will discuss. But, Wyatt, that was certainly a grinder, wasn't it, to well, get through that game with a one-point win? Yeah, it was. It probably shouldn't have been quite the grinder that it was, and I think everybody would understand what I'm talking about. K-State left a touchdown out there, they missed a field goal that was certainly makeable. Almost looked like it was good on a couple of different angles of the replay. But when you don't get either of those, it's 10 to 9. And you really are sweating it out in the second half and in particular in the fourth quarter. But what I would say is, is I think K State overcame a lot of things. And that's what good teams do. They find a way when things are not necessarily hitting on all cylinders or perfect. We could sit here for the next 15 minutes and talk about what wasn't real great, but they found a way to win the game and do enough. And for me, um, and as you said, not only 3-0, and but with two road victories already uh, in the conference in a year where you play five on the road, that is hugely significant. Yeah, you're right. They did leave some points out there on the field, and it seemed like there was like a window of 50 minutes where it just felt like, as a K-State fan, things are not going your way. <laughs> With the Malik fumble, Chris Tennant misses a field goal. Also throw in their um, injuries. Deuce Vaughn gets a little banged up. He came back in, but then did not play the rest of the fourth quarter. DJ Giddens just took uh, the reins from there, and I thought did a, f- a fabulous job, but uh, Khalid Duke injured he, in the first series injured in the first series we don't see him for the rest of the game not sure of his status yet I'm sure we'll find out some more tomorrow with coach Kleiman but also uh, you know for a little bit Felix and DK Uzama was mm-hmm. was on all fours I don't know what happened but he didn't look like he was in good shape but he ended up coming back I mean it's fair to say guys are banged up but th- th- what I want to get to here though is we knew that it would be go back to that word a grind for K-State to move the football and try to put points on the board. You're talking about across the board, Iowa State is the best defense in the Big 12. Statistically, K-State put a, up a total of 388 yards against Iowa State. To break it down for you, 557 through the air and 131 rushing. All three numbers are the most Iowa State has allowed this season. Mm-hmm. 
they had only been giving up about 88 rush yards per game. When you put them in that environment on their home turf with that defensive coordinator, John Haycock, you should be concerned about it because it they made it a grind. It was hard to get – K-State has really, to be honest, against everybody else going into Saturday night, they have found at least once or twice a big crack and boom, a big hitter. A little harder to find in this one on the ground. You got one in the air thanks to a heck of a play by Adrian Martinez to extend the play and then Brooks with the catch and the long touchdown run, and that's the only touchdown of the game. But running was most difficult. One other thing that I liked, and I mentioned this to you off air, I'll mention it on. When the game was very, very late and K-State had to get a couple of first downs to, quote, ice the game, I thought that is when they ran with the most power, with the most purpose, got a couple of first downs. There was a nice little pass in there, too. But uh, that was that was the way you want to close it out, with power, football, and getting it done. Adrian Martinez was 77 net rushing. I, let me go to my numbers here. If, he, if the sack numbers wasn't included, if he didn't lose the yardage because of the sack, he would have had 97 yards right. on the ground. Uh, so, of course, you know three yards shy of a, a 100-yard rushing day, but that would be the most – Iowa State had given up to a single rusher. As a matter of fact, Adrian was just one short of tying who had the most rushing yards against Iowa State this year, and that was Baylor's Richard Reese, who had 78. Yeah. Yeah. There, I guess what I would say is, is, and for those who don't necessarily know that much about Iowa State football, John Haycock is their defensive coordinator. He was kind of the guy who brought the 3 3 5 alignment into the league. They probably do it as well or better than most because they've been doing it a while. They've recruited for a few years now to that system. They've lost really good players off last year's defense, and yet they still have been very productive. What they do is is they're very gap sound. They really tackle, and they get after you. They're, they're physical. They're big enough um, up, up front and, and have a difference-making guy there in Will McDonald and then, I mean, you saw it. What was the longest run for K-State of the night? Uh, 19 yards, Adrian Martinez. That Now think about that and think about all of the long runs in the other five games that K-State has played. That's really quality defense. Well, I think that was their only run of the game over 10 yards. Yes. I mean, uh, Iowa State was – I was very impressed with their defense – uh, I mean, Will McDonald, he got in that backfield a couple of times untouched. Mm-hmm. That's on K-State's offensive line to yep. to clean that up, certainly. But I was really impressed on how – they were, I didn't think they were the fastest defense in the world, but they certainly played so well like a unit. They do a great job of shaking off blocks. And their fits are really good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just – across the across the field, I, I just thought they were really good defensively. That That is a that is a tough bunch. I, I saw why they are the best defense in the Big 12 statistically. I mean, they showed it clearly. It, they played so well defensively against Kansas, but the you know, special teams and offense gave that game to um, – to KU and give you another example of things just not going your way. Of course, Jace Gilbert, that freshman who was kicking and missed three against KU, was making everything. Sure, against K State. That's just funny how special teams go sometimes. But uh, you know, defensively for K State, what they hold uh, Iowa State to uh, 
276, and statistically for that offense, that was also below average uh, for what even one of the, the you know the worst offense in the Big Twelve does a game. K State held them below average. Yeah, and you can make what you want out of numbers sometimes, but but for me, I mean, you you look at the number of plays. The game started, and I remember saying this on the air. The plays at one point were twenty six to seven. Yeah. In favor of Iowa State. Yeah, that first quarter. Then you look at the fourth quarter. K State had the ball for ten minutes and twelve seconds. Okay, the plays ended up sixty-two to fifty-eight. But maybe more importantly, average gain per play six point seven cats, four point five Iowa State. So, despite some struggles, K State at the end of the day was good enough. I love the game plan to put pressure on Hunter Deckers. Had to do it. Because he's not, he's. We knew he wasn't the sharpest passer, uh, especially you know if he were to go down the field, not the most accurate. And at times he, you know, maybe did he did panic and not put one on the money. As a matter of fact, I thought K State got very lucky with their last offensive play of the game for Iowa State, where Hunter Deckers threw his best pass of the game, scrambling, throws off his back foot, little off balance, but he threw a great pass to Xavier Hutchinson, who dropped it mm-hmm. for a first down inside the 35-yard line. But bringing that pressure was, I thought, was very key. Even though the, the numbers didn't say that you know, Casey was making all the plays in the world where they have a couple of sacks, I mean, they kept that pressure coming. Yep. And Hunter Deckers knew that. And he wasn't sharp throughout the night. And, and per usual, to augment what you're saying, K-State makes you drive it on them. They they gave up a couple of long ones over the top to Oklahoma, but for the most part, K-State has been pretty good in not giving up big chunk plays uh, in the pass game. And you're right, they did get some pressure on Deckers. And Xavier Hutchinson had eight catches for 100 yards. That's an impressive night. Mm-hmm. That's about what he does most of the time, yeah, however. Yeah, that's average. And, and you mentioned the one drop. So let's say, let's take that one off the board. There were 16 other targets of him right. with eight catches. So for the most part, I think if they played Iowa State 10 times, they'd take those numbers almost every single time. You just would. Because what, what did he have the, the week before? Was it 14 catches? I, at, I don't Kansas? remember. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, Actually, I can tell you. Hang on one second. Well, and I'll tell you, <laughs> there, Deckers-Hutchinson had a great relationship in that first quarter. He had 13 for 101 at Kansas. No doubt. I mean, Xavier Hutchinson is what? Is he, is he, would you say he's the best wide receiver in the Big 12? Well, I think he's, he's probably the best guy in terms of number of catches and those types of things. But I, I believe that Maybe the most explosive guy is Mims, even though you're not seeing it as yeah. much now. He, he's a he's a big time threat that way. I don't think that's what Hutchinson is, but when you talk about good route runner, good hands, consistently. I mean, we're talking about going into the game. He had 49 catches in five games. That's almost 10 per. I mean, there's nobody else in the league doing that. So he he may not be Marvin Mims athletically. But numbers-wise, he's as good as, or better than most in the, in the Big 12. Well, in, I thought K-State's secondary got better as the game went on. And to give you an example, that has to do with Xavier Hutchinson. And also, shout-out to the Defensive Player of the Week in, in, in the Big 12, Josh Hayes, mm-hmm. where there was a play in the first quarter, and it was Xavier Hutchinson's best play of 38 yards, of where he was lined up. And I think, he, if I remember correctly, he was in the slot. 
and it was kind of like a little slant to the middle of the field. And he he was I think he was in between. He got in between Austin Moore and Josh Hayes, if I remember correctly. Well, it was just so in between, and Josh wasn't making a play fast enough where he was able to make the catch and make a big play out of it for over 30 yards. Iowa State tried to do the exact same thing again against Josh Hayes. Josh recognized what was happening, and he had perfect coverage and knocked that ball away. And there was a number of times where K-State secondary made those kind of plays where they were – just attached to the hip of that wide receiver, and it looked like it was like narrowly in pass interference. They were so close to that receiver. Sure. But after watching those replays, every time it was just perfect coverage. Yeah, there were a lot of guys that I think did a real solid job in coverage. Um, Julius Brents would come to mind as an example. But I, I do think when you look at Josh's overall game and, and who he was covering, how he was covering, uh, tackling eight times in space by himself in 11 total tackles, um, <laughs> you can see why he was an award winner this week. That that was a really, really good performance in my mind. Uh, let's throw out a couple of uh, nuggets about this one. So, so with that win, Iowa State they lose or they drop a six game home winning streak. Which, by the way, that was the largest crowd to ever watch Farmageddon sixty thousand five sixty one in attendance for for that game. Yeah, and even away from that, because it, I mean, that term has been used for what. 15 years. Farmageddon, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure, but something. That's a All good guess. All time, dating back to 1917, okay? It's the largest crowd in Ames to ever watch K-State and Iowa State play. That's pretty impressive. K-State's 50th victory all-time against Iowa State, their 20th win in Ames, Iowa. That was K-State's fewest points scored in a conference road game since a 9-3 victory at Iowa State in 1982. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's interesting when you look at some of the numbers. Um, and, and again, what we talked about was K-State, it wasn't their best running performance, and yet you look up and they had two 100-yard receivers, which doesn't happen all, all that often either because Malik had a, a, a pretty big game that way, even with the one that was stripped near the goal line. And then, mm-hmm. of course, Phillip with the 81-yard catch, and he uh, went over 100 yards too. So, yeah, grinder, but boy, does it feel good to get out of there with a victory. Um it, it just does. It's, I, I, I mentioned this to you off air. I'll say it on. I, I thought you could tell in the game's first 10 minutes that K-State was the better team, and yet it was still going to be kind of a nail-biting, you know. If, if you wanted to be just sitting in your couch, having a beer, enjoying the night, no stress, this wasn't your night. Not to watch the Cats. K-State gave Iowa State a couple of breaks, and certainly vice versa. Iowa State yeah. gave K-State a couple of breaks. But sure. at the end of the day, that defense did not allow a touchdown. I thought on that first drive, Deckers just barely missed. Yes. Xavier Hutchinson on the near side pylon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, if without with the way that took place, if that pass is completed, that might have been the difference. In you a never game know. Like that. Yeah, especially because sitting there – Uh, doing the television show in the middle of the night with Coach Kleiman when we got back. You know, that's one of the things that we talked about on and off air of of, of just, you know, what do you do here because you don't – you're not expecting touchdowns now. After the first one, as the game wore on, you're going, this is is just going to be a field goal kind of game. 
and it kind of turned out to be that. I mean, even if Hutchinson catches that ball at the 33-yard line, that freshman kicker, pressure's on, he's not making it. <laughs> he's going to miss it, choke again like, like he did in, in Lawrence. All right, uh, let's take our first break. When we come back, we'll be pleased to be joined by K-State soccer coach Mike Dabini next. Little uh, Duran Duran welcome us back to Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner, voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson, Travion Birkeland wearing a Slash shirt. Met him 10 years ago. Quiet guy. Birkeland? No. Uh, slash, oh, slash. From Gun- slash from Guns N' Roses. Oh, I see. Okay. But that's just a Slash shirt. That's not a GNR shirt. Yeah, no, I got it at his uh, show in the Midland in Kansas City earlier this year. I saw uh, Slash do a private acoustic set. When I was uh, living in New York City once upon a time. All right, we continue with uh, Wildcat Insider. We now speak with K-State soccer coach Mike Dabini. The uh, K-State soccer team is now 5-7-2 with a 1-3-1 record in Big 12 play. That first Big 12 win coming yesterday afternoon in Waco against the Baylor Bears 2-1 with a penalty kick. That got it done. Coach, uh, thank you so much for your time. How nervous were you uh, before that penalty kick was taken by Riley Baker? Uh, thanks for having me. I'm not going to lie. I think I was I was, uh, I was, was not looking at it when she was uh, stepping up to the plate to take it. <laughs> but it's supposed to be like a free throw. So we, uh, we, uh, we made, we made the, the, the penalty kick. Well, what did you think about? I, I would imagine you've seen the replay by now since you didn't watch about Riley Baker's slot uh, shot selection. She's a lefty, right? So she looked like she was going to take the lefty approach and take the shot, and then at the last second, she switches to her right foot and tucks into the, that left corner. Uh, we knew it was coming. Uh, we we actually worked on PK the night before uh, or the day before we had training uh, on that field in that same exact spot. So uh, we knew it was coming. Mike, it's such a great thing to win on the road. And it doesn't matter in the Big 12 what sport it is. Just just give us a sense of what what it was like <clears throat> Excuse me, after the game for the girls. That that had to be such a major lift to, to win that one in Waco. Yeah, I mean, just, just the environment. Uh, it was really, really warm. It's hard to win on a Sunday Big 12 match, and I think – that was our first ever Big 12 Sunday win on the road. Wow. So, um, you know, it was a great feeling. Uh, but our, our players and our, our girls deserved it. They worked hard. and um, They've been working hard. It, you know, it finally fell our way. And, uh, you know, we're, we're excited. We were excited, um, ecstatic, and, you know, sigh of relief. I think they started, you know, believing. Uh, we were so close in two other games right before that that uh, – getting one on the road meant a lot for them. I used to have the whole record book in my brain. Uh, you know, of course, when I was calling K-State soccer games, I, I can tell you it's the first win over Baylor, and I thought that's what's so huge about that victory. Not only, of course, your team gets the victory, but finally get that one against Baylor. It's been so good since K-State's entered the Big 12. But you, you mentioned you've, you've played five conference games with a victory. You had a tie against uh, Iowa State, and you, you briefly touched on it there, but – how do you feel like you've played so far through five conference games? You've played some of the toughest teams right now, or you've already have played a couple of the, of the toughest teams in the conference. I feel we're faring well. Um, 
you know, you're right. We three three of the teams were number one, two, three in conference with Texas leading the way right now. Um, I, you know, the two home games we had, TCU and Oklahoma State, we lost one zero, but it was toe to toe. If you watch the game, uh, it could have went either way. We weren't defensive. We weren't sitting back. Uh, we we took our chances. They took theirs, and they got it. The game against Texas was really challenging um, after the 70th minute. Uh, it was it was zero zero at half. They, once they scored their goal and separated from us, we kind of crumbled from a focus standpoint, um, just because of you know you know it was like like a dagger that was stuck in us and just kind of took took us took us uh, all that work and it felt like you know we we couldn't re- regain the momentum that they took away from us. Um, and then for us to respond against Baylor on the road was massive for our program and shows that we can compete. It's an interesting subject, isn't it, Mike? And we congratulate you again on the Baylor win. You, you said it well. You're you're very competitive now, um, losing a couple of close matches, but then you you get one. What can that do for this group? Just from between the ears, kind of kind of thing. That it's got to help them moving forward. I would think. Yeah, one hundred percent. Now you know the belief factor. They it's not just about hope. It's they can do it. Um, you know, they believe in each other. They, they they really feel like, you know, they can go into every match and, and get one and get a result. Um, you know, you look at all of our losses, you know, out of this year, five out of the seven losses were top 25 teams. And besides one match that kind of got away from us, the other four came down to one goal. Um, and that's never happened in our program history where we, you know, we, we go head-to-head, toe-to-toe with these teams. So, uh, we're competitive. Uh, there's great moments. We're growing. The evolution is taking place. Now it's about, you know, figuring out ways to continue to win. And we proved that we can win on the road. So hopefully we can continue to do that uh, with some home games here coming up. When I do get a chance to talk to the team and, and talk to the players, my favorite player to talk to is Elena Wehrmeyer, your junior goalkeeper. And she set the new K-State school record for career saves with her four against Baylor, she now has 183 passing uh, Miranda Larkin, but she's been starting since she's a freshman. How have you seen Elena grow, not just as a player, but also as a leader now as an upperclassman? Um, she, you know, her experience and and being in the in the goal on uh, many, many occasions against many teams, you can see her her confidence and, and experience taking place, um, directing traffic, organizing, managing. Uh, just being a presence in there. So she, she brings a lot of confidence in our team. And for her to set the record, I, I'm not surprised. Um, you know, she, she keeps us in a lot of matches, and she can continues to do that year in and year out. Well, coming up next, you got two home matches and three of the last four of the regular season. You're right now seventh place in the Big 12. This is where I suppose it's crunch time to make the Big 12 tournament. With uh, some to gain some points here in the next four games, thoughts on Texas Tech and Oklahoma this weekend? You play Thursday and Sunday. Yeah, I mean, two teams in that are playing well right now. Two teams in the middle of the pack, but uh, you know we focus on one at a time. Texas Tech first, and continue to do what we've been doing in training and, and trying to build off of our momentum of, of our last win. Uh, you know, we're looking at getting points. Uh, you know, we, we we obviously want the, the the win, but as long as we can continue to get points, that's how you can get into the Big Twelve tournament. 
Well, Coach, to wrap up, I know you're uh, going to the Chiefs game. Are you at Arrowhead Stadium yet tailgating, or are you on your way? I'm actually sitting in the parking lot with my wife, and we're just uh, enjoying this tailgating moment before the game starts here, taking a little quick break. So what's on the menu at the tailgate? Oh, um, a little of uh, a little of uh, a little bit of everything. So, um. <laughs> Mike, have you seen a Raiders Chiefs game at Arrowhead before? No, I have not. I've been here for so I grew up loving the Los Angeles Raiders before they left Oakland Raiders. Okay, to Oakland, and now they're in Vegas. But when, since I've moved back here to Kansas, I've become a big time Chiefs supporter. So. Uh, I'm actually wearing my Chiefs gear. Wow. <laughs> How about yeah, that? That's good. Believe it or not, I'm wearing my Chiefs gear, even though uh, you know, my childhood was watching the Raiders. But wow. uh, we're here enjoying the game and taking some time away for my only day off of the week. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's that's pretty good Raiders when you were growing up, right? Like good oh, Raiders. Yeah, really good Raiders, yep. <laughs> Well, I, I got to follow up to that because, okay, so the first assistant you had was Gabe Romo, who you coached at Kansas Wesleyan and became an assistant with you when you started. And I know he and his dad are big Raiders fans. How would he feel if he knew you are wearing Chiefs gear at a Raiders game? Uh, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> don't tell him. Don't tell him. Um, yeah, he, he won't find out about it. All right, Coach, we'll have fun at the game tonight, and uh, best of luck this week in the Big 12. All right, thank you very much. Thanks, bud. That's KC soccer coach Mike Dabini, who has made the uh, around here. Many would think that's the best move you could possibly make, pos- uh, possibly moving from a Raiders fan to a Chiefs fan. Well, and to and to win that that game down there, and now have two at home this week. Boy, you just hope they can, you know, parlay that into into good here at home, right? I mean, they they've got a real shot here. To have a real nice week. Let's like, see if they can get it done. I, I got to say, from call, my calling, uh, my radio days of calling K State soccer, the the matchups between K State and Oklahoma have been extremely competitive, like back and forth scoring. You know, you never know who's going to pull it out at the end. Many overtime games. They don't have overtime in regular season soccer anymore. That was a real change this year. But that'll be really good, and they'll face Oklahoma Sunday at one o'clock. But before that, thir- this Thursday at Boozer Family Park, seven o'clock against. The Texas Tech Red Raiders uh, here in Manhattan. So you got a full slate of uh, K State soccer this week with the doubleheader Thursday and Sunday. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we're going to hear from Malik Knowles, who kind of lets us know what happened on that fumble at the goal line against Iowa State. That's next. Wildcat Insider continues. Mitch Wyatt, Travion with us as well. 537-1350 is our number. If you want to call in, talk some cats, ask Wyatt a question, ask us something about the Big 12 as well, feel free and give us a call. Um, There was uh, one moment in the game that took me a long time to get over. I was very hot uh, when it happened, and that was the Malik Knowles I'll put it this way. The Malik Knowles 68-yard catch that should have been a 69-yard touchdown. But it was punched out from behind, I mean, right at the last second. It could have been, I don't think it could have been more of a closer call. 
Then when it was punched out by an Iowa State defender, I'm not sure. I don't remember the name. Anthony Johnson, the safety, knocked it away, and uh, Reeder recovered it. Although uh, Malik had a pretty good shot to recover in the end zone. Yeah, Uh, and that was a part of it while it was so hot. But the big reason why I was so upset about it is because I felt like there was a big lapse of discipline, a lack of discipline on that play by Malik, who I thought maybe should have known better about worrying about the defenders and just go for that end zone. If you get tackled, you get tackled. And also not taking care of the football. I will, however, say that through the through the rest of the game, and I was still worried about, God, is K-State going to be able to pull this off? We scored a touchdown uh, with 12 and a half to go in the first quarter, and we haven't heard from the point since. I was like, I don't know about this one. But Malik was starting to, you know, make some plays in the passing game. He even threw a pass to uh, Adrian Martinez, and I heard some heat about that one. But my thought about it is, you know what? It picked up a first down, and that was on the the, the game winning drive. That was on the game winning drive for that that led to the field goal for uh, Chris Tennant, who also redeemed himself. So I was relieved, and I wasn't so mad after all <laughs> after the uh, the final score. But uh, let's hear from. Malik Knowles, and then we'll get your thoughts on what took place. But let's hear from Malik Knowles, who spoke to the media uh, after the game. A crazy play there. <laughs> Gained 68 yards and not get anything out of it. Can you walk us through what in the world happened there? Uh, just running, man. Didn't finish the play. Uh, kind of lost where the defender was at. Thought I was fully into the end zone. Like Nobody bought me. Just got to focus on the details of finishing the play. How physical was this game tonight? Uh, they were a very physical team. You know, we were still kind of being up from the last game, so just having to come get our bodies right for this game. And then after, you see a lot of guys just laid it out there. Seemed like every yard was valuable tonight. Yes, sir. Every every little play counted. You came back and made some big catches. Even had a big throw. How'd you put a play like that behind you and make winning plays for your team? Um. Me, I'm kind of hard on myself, so I took it pretty hard. Just having a teammate and the coaches support me and just having them rally around me just to keep my mind focused. And it's depending on me. I know I got to put that play past me. What was your reaction when they kind of dialed up for you to throw the ball? <laughs> it was kind of shocked. Uh, that was a play that we, we've we been having for a long time. Just hearing it in, the, in that type of moment that the coach wanted me to throw the ball was kind of a shocker, but just had to throw it. Is tonight what the passing game's capable of? Um, a lot more. This is, I feel like, we still left a lot out there. It's the glimpse of what we can be. What was about today's matchup that made you guys think you could have success throwing it? Um, just their defensive scheme and how they've been playing all week. They load a lot of guys up front, just play really catch up at the stick. So we knew that when the game come, the game came down to it, we had to make plays deep and on the outside of the perimeter. I'm sure you'd maybe rather win 50-0, to zero, but is there any extra you know, satisfaction when you win a game like that, close and everything? Oh, yes, sir, because that shows that like the little things count, man, and who's going to, what team is really going to be more focused until the end of the game. That's the second raucous road atmosphere you guys have won at this year. You yes, know, sir. Oklahoma and here. What's it say about your team, or what is the characteristic of this team that allows you guys to do that? And the 70 guys that travel, man, we'll put our back against the wall and go against anybody. So it just shows that how close of a team we are, how tough we are, that we'll we'll adapt to any atmosphere that you give us. I really love that last quote. They've been uh, saying some really great things actually about competing against the road environments, especially if that after that Oklahoma game. Something about like you know, seventy versus eighty thousand. Yes, I was like that. I, I, I get that. Get, give me a tattoo of that quote. I loved it so much. But uh, <laughs> Malik did not finish with just 68 yards. He had over 100, finished with 108 and five catches and uh, uh, 
Um, and uh, Phillip Brooks also with 119 and four catches and a touchdown. So it was great to see those two have triple-digit games. Well, and it was much needed yeah. uh, because the the running game was a little bit harder to come by against that Iowa State defense. I, you know, I I had several people say, you know, things about well, you got to take better care of the ball than that, and 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 I get it, and he said it, you know, and I think that's what I appreciate. You know, <laughs> I think he felt like he was in, you know, uh, based on the comments there. Uh, I, I will salute Anthony Johnson for a very, very good hustling play. He could have given up on it, and it could have been a touchdown, but he didn't do that. And then Iowa State fell on it. That that was a big, big play, no doubt. But I also feel like going to the part about you know the seventy against whether it's sixty thousand five hundred or eighty thousand or whatever it might be, that, that kind of goes back to the the Snyder days where. You keep it between the white lines kind of thing, and it's about us. And I do think this team is just that, about us, and, and it's what we do. I think they take a lot of pride in, in going out onto the road and competing and being physical and being tough. And I mean, you think about just the two games they've been on the road. They win a 41-34 game and a 10-9 game. <laughs> and think about it like that. That's pretty good. No, Yeah. Yeah. Again, not perfect, but, well, uh, you take it and get out of there. Go home. Let's go. Well, it makes me also fortunate that we have Adrian Martinez, who, you know, again, I, I will Agreed. echo it. You know, it's it's it wasn't him. It was Nebraska guys because I mean, talk about somebody who has had to try to grind through one score games and try to win a game, but he's used to playing from behind. This time, actually, was playing from behind. Well, let me jump in and just say this. Go ahead. Uh, hope I don't get in trouble saying this. Okay. But Chris Kleiman told me in the middle of the night after television that he thought you could argue in some ways it was Adrian's best game as a Wildcat. Hmm. Think about that for a second. And he was talking more about you know the little things and game management and those kind of things as opposed to yards and touchdowns. But I think my point is of telling the story is, is this was a hard game. They knew it was going to be, in his own words, a fistfight. He told Matt Walters that in our postgame show. And it was exactly that. And and to win it, even if it wasn't the prettiest girl at the dance, I think we're all taking it today. Adrian Martinez has played 45 career games, 25 of them decided by one score. Well, that's, hey, welcome to college football, my friend. Yeah. That's kind of the way it is. And now 2-1 and one at uh, K-State, he was 4-19. Uh, and 19. I'm, Maybe I'm getting that wrong. 4-17 and 17 at Nebraska at one score games. Well, we could go to where... They're just nuggets. <laughs> I'm just saying he is a veteran when it comes to one-score games and trying to grind when the clock is low. <laughs> and, yes, very much so. And, and he's outdone it twice. And, and again, that goes back to a little bit what we were saying with, with Kleiman, I think, appreciating what he brought to the table in a very difficult game. He rushed for 77 yards, including sacks. He threw for 246. Relatively speaking on the road, that's a, uh, under the circumstances, not enough points. Well, it was enough points. They wanted more left a little bit out there but uh you know he overall i think adrian martinez played a pretty solid game yeah and that's farmageddon one score games that's that's what we expect <laughs> that's true in this rivalry yeah that's absolutely right and and here's where we should remind everybody mm-hmm. that k-state even losing two in a row until saturday night with iowa state mm-hmm. last 15 games are 12 and three yeah you take that always absolutely yeah 
All right, when we come back, we'll finish up Hour 1 with last Saturday in the Big 12. Oh, boy, uh, where there are a couple of interesting ones. That's next. <laughs> well, the Kansas Jayhawks are still, well, no, they're no longer undefeated, I should say. And for, I would say, a lot of us, it's a sigh of relief uh, that may be temporary because they're still excellent. Uh, even though Jalen Daniels was knocked out of the game, but uh, I will say Jason Bean did a heck of a job. Uh, but they lost to TCU 38-31 in what was a very entertaining game. Very. By the way, Bean throws for 262-4 and four in the second half. He, he was certainly good enough and, and a really good ball game, as you said. But also, TCU throws for 308 and they rush for 144, but KU had over 500 yards in the game and lost. Wow. Yeah. I mean, not a whole lot of defense, in that, especially in that third quarter where they each scored 21 points. But well, think about it yeah, this it was a way. shootout. It was seven to, what was it, seven to six at half, and each team scored 28 points in the second half. That's crazy. A 10 to three at the half. 10 to three, then, yeah. It yeah. did take KU yeah. long to score a couple of yeah. touchdowns, and yeah. then that's where the shootout yeah. started. Yeah. Uh, what else do we have? Okay, so Texas gets Quinn Ewers back, and Oklahoma doesn't have Dylan Gabriel, which I don't believe General Booty played in the game. That's his real name, a quarterback in the name of General Booty. Uh, let's see. I, I wanted to double check here. He did not play. Uh, so I, they went with uh, Davis da- Bevel. D- Davis Bevel. Thank mm-hmm. you for uh, yeah. backing me up there. Uh, all Texas, 49 nothing. Think, think about this. Oklahoma had five different players throw the ball. <laughs> and Braden Willis who ran in the Wildcat, was not one of them. It was a hard, hard day for Oklahoma. They don't usually get dusted like that very often. But, wow, you look at – let me look at the total yards here. It is crazy to think about. Total offense, 585 Texas, 195 Oklahoma. This was as one-sided as it gets. And they're 0-3 in the league for the first time since 98. Total passing yards for Oklahoma, 39. Whew. It was what? Did you see the pictures of the Cotton Bowl uh-huh. where it was half full? Yeah. And it was burnt orange on one end and open bleachers on the other end. Yes. That, that was bizarre. Honey, let's go watch the Texas State Fair now. Yeah, I do love the way they set that all up where it's, you know, half and half. Yeah. Um, that, that is really cool. I thought they'd maybe do it, maybe, you know, what you'll see at the, typically at the Rose Bowl and it's split on the ends and not in the middle of the field. Yeah. But it was bizarre to see that. And then finally, how about, uh, you know what, a redshirt freshman uh, for uh, for Texas Tech, a quarterback, made it a game against Oklahoma State, but the Pokes win by 10-41-31. Baron Morton is going to be a good player. I think everybody knew that that follows their program. He threw the ball 62 times for 379 yards and two touchdowns. And this was a war. This was yeah. a game. OSU was really pushed. And, and at the end of the day, OSU was just slightly better. Talk about a great back-to-back games for, was it FS1 for TCU, Kansas, and Texas Tech, Oklahoma State? Yeah, they were the winner. <laughs> ABC was the loser. <laughs> All right, when we come back, hour two Wildcat Insider, we are busy. We'll talk bye week. We'll talk most impressive players through six games. Big 12 week seven. And also... Since it's a bye week, we'll have uh, Wyatt answer some Meet the Wildcat questions. Hour two next. Your local news is here.